episode 104, we talk about why feeling time is so difficult for learners who struggle with learning differences. Today, we talk about how to work on it. As a reminder, tomorrow is the last day to apply for Learn Smarter Pro. Learn Smarter Pro is our six-week program for professionals where there will be professional and individualized support, behind-the-scenes business trainings, group coaching, and more. We will be doing trainings in this group that will never be offered on the podcast. So if you're interested, we are currently accepting applications, but they are due tomorrow. You can click into the application in the show notes of this episode. Now, let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 108 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And it is one of those rare moments where Steph and I are recording close to our air date. Yeah. So we're recording this on Wednesday. This comes out on Tuesday. So when you're listening to this, we literally recorded this a couple days ago, six days ago. Yeah. And as Steph and I were getting ready to hit record, we thought we wanted to take a moment to talk about the movement that has been going on over the last mm, three weeks. Yeah, two weeks or so. Two and a half weeks. And of course, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and the disgusting murder of George Floyd. And we want to be thoughtful about what we contribute to this conversation. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that Steph and I have talked about for a long time, which is the lack of diversity in our field, our field, in both people who are educational therapists and people receiving educational therapy services. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of why we do this podcast because it was something that we absolutely have been talking about since we became educational therapists, since we were in school. Yeah. Since that first meeting that we went to, remember that first workshop mm-hmm. and you and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. We looked around and it was a room of white women, generally older Mm-hmm. And it's something specific that was very, very stark to us. Yeah. And I think when you and I were talking about starting the podcast, Mm -hmm. it was for a lot of different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. It was access. Mm -hmm. It was getting information out there on what it is we do, even within cities versus not cities. Yes. Or which part of the country. Financial limitations. Yeah. There are just so many different things that we were talking about that we wanted to reach more people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we hear from people all over the country, Mm -hmm. it is so important that we continue discussing these things and we continue to try to level the playing field. And attract different types of practitioners to this field. Yeah, practitioners as much as we talk about our clients. Yes. I can only draw on my own realm of experience. Yeah. And the strategies that I offer are a result of my collective experience and really of your collective experience Mm because I get the benefit of your experience. But it's from our perspective as white people, as women, 
as women in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so we have big hopes for this field. Yeah, we do. And, you know, there's something about podcasting, like I was saying to Steph before we hit recorded, podcasting can be a great equalizer. You don't need to go to school to listen to a podcast. You need to have internet to listen to a podcast. And there's a huge portion of our population in LA that doesn't. This is a conversation that you and I had off air about distance learning. Mm -hmm. What about those kids who don't have internet in their homes? Not every home has internet. Yeah. But we hope that this podcast in some way contributes to expanding awareness about what we do and broadening access to what we do. Yeah. And inspiring people to want to do it too and make our field not just bigger, but better. I agree. And I think we've already seen that happen with our conversations with you, with those of you who are choosing to participate and learn Smarter Pro. I'm deeply, deeply passionate about women-owned businesses as well. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that I have an interest in. And as a reminder, our applications for Learn Smarter Pro close tomorrow. So if you're listening to this podcast in real time, the deadline for applications for Learn Smarter Pro is Wednesday, June 17th. And Learn Smarter Pro is our program for people who need support to lift their businesses off the ground. But I do think that we've seen the impact and we've heard from people who have chosen to go in this direction as a field, which is wonderful and we're so excited about. All of it it just makes me want to learn more. Be better. To have more conversations and to continue the passion that I think we both have. Mm Mm-hmm for helping kids learn how to learn and love learning. We just felt like, given the fact that we're recording so close to our air date for this episode, it would have been a missed opportunity to not talk about the lack of diversity in our fields. And like I said, we love what we do. Mm -hmm. We love what we do, but we also have to be okay criticizing what we do. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think any one person is responsible. I think what we're learning is there are systemic things in place. And what we've known is that there are systemic things in place. But it would have been a missed opportunity not to have this conversation in real time. Yeah. And forgive us if we didn't say everything correctly. We're learning. Correct us. Yeah, please do. Come at it with a place of compassion and understanding that we're all figuring it out. And we know that that is our privilege to be figuring it out, too. Just like we say with our students, right? You have to learn first. And Mm -hmm. it's hard, and sometimes you don't know how to get through it, but... Mm -hmm. What Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you You do do better. better. Yeah. So, back to the episode... Feeling time. Feeling time. Yeah. And in episode 104, we talked about why you need to be able to feel time, why it is so important to have this conversation about how to feel time. It's something that we talk a lot about with our students. And we also delved into why students with ADHD and slow processing don't feel time the same way that their typical peers do. And so today we just wanted to dig a bit deeper into that and talk about the metacognition of this, the awareness of this, and how you can work on feeling time either yourself or with the learners 
in your life. Yeah. And before we get into that, since we recorded that episode quite a while ago, actually, Mm -hmm. there are some things that I sort of came across and wanted to just put out there. This is also important. The people in your life, because this is adults as well, are struggling with time. So the first thing, and this is a huge thing right now because we are recording this in June of 2020 and the pandemic is going on Mm -hmm. and a lot of us are having a lot of screen time. Mm -hmm. Social media lately, if it wasn't everywhere before, it's even more so now. Mm -hmm. Why does time feel so much faster on social media? Vacuuming, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Do you ever look up at the clock and go, oh my gosh, I've been on here for an hour and I thought it was five minutes. And we talked about that a little bit in episode 104. But getting to the reasoning behind it, think about the pleasure versus pain approach to things. When it's pleasurable, it goes fast and we don't feel it the same way you feel something that's painful. So think about that for your learners or for you if there's something that you don't want to do and why you avoid it and why it feels like it takes forever when it doesn't actually take forever. We really want to equalize how long does it actually take, which is one of the things we're teaching our kids, right? By timing things, etc. Because what feels like five minutes could be one minute or could be an hour, depending on what it is that we're doing. So the other thing to add is that, remember, when you're talking about your learners that are under 25, time is measured in the prefrontal cortex. And what do we know about the prefrontal cortex? It doesn't fully mature until age 25. That's also where executive functioning is, and that's why we talk about it so much. Exactly. So feeling time could be off because your learner's prefrontal cortex is not developed enough to be able to handle it quite yet. Mm -hmm. And I mention that because so often I feel like we have families that come to us and say, I feel like my kid is doing this on purpose. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes maybe they are, but some of them aren't. And I think we need to remember that their brains aren't fully developed. The next thing that I found, and I actually didn't know this, but once I sort of was researching it a little bit and thinking about it, it makes total sense. An auditory event appears to last much longer than a visual one, which is why things like being on social media that is very visual can go by quicker. Rach, do you remember when we went to the Hollywood Bowl mm-hmm. and we were watching the movie without the sound? Yes. And do you remember how different that whole thing felt? The reason we were basically there was my best friend's son needed to hear Star Wars live. And so <laughs> Steph went with us last year. He needed to hear it again. And it's really cute because they play Star Wars live and all the little kids and some big kids like my husband pull out their um, lightsabers. Yeah. It's really cute and a special moment. It is. But he did take us through the power of music in a movie and he did that by playing a scene from a movie with no sound and there's no dialogue in it either it was just an action scene yeah oh my god it went on forever yeah it was so interesting it really did and then when he put the music on it went by really fast and so I think having the tandem of both of those things is something that why we're so engrossed in lives Mm -hmm. you know or things on whatever social platform it's so much more stimulating it really is so 
if you think about, especially right now with distance learning, and there's not as much visual going on, and some of it is just auditory, that can really be a struggle. And that could be why your child might be wanting to avoid it. Mm -hmm. So just to put that out there, think about that. So let's talk about how to work on family time. And if you haven't listened to episode 104, of course, we've linked that in the show notes of this episode, or you can scroll back in your podcast app four episodes ago. But one of the things that we're really big fans of is estimating how long things will take and then actually time them. This is something not necessarily exclusive to academic tasks, but you could practice this in all areas of your life in partnerships. See, Steph, this is interesting. I think you and I have a very good sense of how long things are going to take with each other. Mm -hmm. I think we're super accurate about how long we think an episode is going to go for, how much time we need to budget for something. Yeah, it's true. You know, this is one partnership in my life, but in my marriage, we don't have similar ideas of how long things will take. So that can be a major source of conflict. It's not because Adam and I have worked on it and it's something that I'm aware of and it's something that he is aware of that we both have different ideas about how long things will take. Um, I generally think it's going to take a shorter amount. Adams generally thinks that it'll take a longer amount. We meet somewhere in the middle normally, but this is something to build awareness. This is something that you can do really casually throughout the day and in conversations. But also if you are doing it casually, you have to do the second part of it, which is actually talk about how long things actually took. Yeah. It's the estimation versus reality. You know how they do like Instagram versus reality? Yeah. We're yeah, talking yeah. about estimation versus reality. Yeah. If you only do the first part, you're never learning where it actually falls. Right. You know, and this can be done in anything like, do you know off the top of your head how long it takes you usually to take a shower? Do I? Yes. Exactly. I do too. Do you know how long it takes you to get ready to leave the house? Yes. Yeah, you do. So all of those things... We have figured out because we have guessed and checked. It's really easy to check when you're late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we have a sense and we can feel that time passing and know it's going to be about the same. So the more that we can have conversations and even conversations with your child about how long it takes you to do things versus how mm -hmm. long it takes them to do things, you could just talk about yourself to begin with so they can start being aware that that's something that they need to start to pay attention to in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And to do that, using clocks. Using clocks using baking timers, visual timers, your phone, your phone, setting up timers to indicate it's time to move on to the next task, putting a plan in place and then following through with it. Mm -hmm. That also, by the way, is a good tip for kids who struggle to start Yes, and can work forever on a task. Yeah. And in next week's episode, oh, we're so excited about next week's episode. It's already been recorded. And in fact, it was so delicious. We've already recorded a follow-up to it. But in next week's episode, we have a professor coming on to talk to us about learning and he shares some tips too. And in fact, 
he shares even more on Patreon. So if you haven't gotten and joined us yet on Patreon, you can do that by going to www.patreon.com slash learn smarter podcast. And for $5 a month that supports the work that we do here, you get to hear that extra content and all the back content that we've already uploaded. Because he shares a resource, and I'll save it for next week's episode, because both you and I were like, what is this? Oh, yeah. This is one of your fave stuff, so it why don't you... It is my fave. So we actually learned this. We've talked about it before, but we learned this at a workshop Rachel and I went to, and I took it one step further. So basically what you do is you stand, and you have somebody, if you can, help you, and time you. You need to feel a minute. I do this with my students all the time. Have them feel a minute. They can't count. They can't look at a clock. They just need to sit down when they think it's been a minute. And some students, they are actually right on. Some think it's longer. Some think it's shorter, etc. But the big next part to up-level it a little bit is to have them go on their favorite social media app or game or whatever and do the same experiment again. And I have students who have guessed that it's been a minute and been pretty right on within seconds and then have been on their favorite social media app and went to four minutes thinking that it was a minute. And I just sit there. I don't say anything. And then when I turn around and show them my timer, I'm thinking of one in particular, her jaw dropped. Mm -hmm. She had no idea. And so this just opened up and sparked a conversation about time, about where her time is going. And you're not supposed to count. There's no counting in this. It's just feeling it. It's just feeling. And so this really opened up her eyes to why she feels like she doesn't have enough time and where her time is actually going. So I really encourage you to do that with your children or even do it with your partners because if you feel like you're struggling with time and there's not enough hours in the day, where's your time really going? And that could be one of the things. Mm-hmm. So Steph, can you talk a little bit about visualizing time? Because I don't know that you and I have talked about this. So visualizing time. So I don't know if you've done this, but I've had students in the past visualize what it looks like while they're taking a test or visualize what they're doing when they're studying. And I've had them even draw a picture. But one of the things that comes up, especially with reading comprehension, is trying to work on visualizing. Do you have a picture in your head about what you're reading? The same thing can go with visualizing for time. So what time of the day, where will the sun be? What does it look like while you are doing it? So you can draw a picture. Let's say it's an example of getting your homework done. If you get your homework done right after school, what does it look like outside? Is it still light? What time of year is it? Is it before dinner? When are you taking a shower? Is that at a certain time of day? What does it look like outside? What does it look like before you go into the shower and what is your family doing versus when you get out of the shower, for instance. Having some pictures in your brain about time can also help people who struggle with feeling time. Hmm. Got it. Learning how to manage time and how to really feel time within your body improves self-confidence because when you're more confident, you don't procrastinate, and therefore it won't take as long. So there are a lot of reasons to focus, and it's not the emergent thing. 
right, stuff. Like when a new client is coming into the practice, there are other things that present as more emergent. Mm -hmm. But this is not necessarily the first thing you should be doing in educational therapy, but it should be a part of your assessment process. If you go back to episode 37 and listen to our framework, we talk about there's a period of assessment, there's a period of building, and then there's a period of competency within educational therapy. Stuff's already linked that episode in our show notes. If you're a practitioner working with a learner, getting an understanding of their own sense of time awareness, it will be critical for their success moving forward. And remember, it's not finite. It's not one thing that you learn today and now you've got it. Right. Right? It's going to be a constant check-in and a constant process to help them get to where they need to be. Yep. And then the next thing is finding your prime time. When do you work best, especially with distance learning? I have asked my clients, when do you feel like you are the most successful in getting your plan done? Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily the most productive. I say successful because one of the things that comes up all the time is how for studying for finals, for instance, Mm -hmm. there's so many people that say, oh, you know, or parents that say you need to study for, you know, six hours and that's going to be the right amount of time. And as we've learned also in next week's episode a little bit, that that's not actually linear. Mm -hmm. You can't find that this is the recipe and this is exactly how it works. So it might be that your child, if you're asking when they can be most successful, for some things it might be the morning and for some things it might be night or it could be all in the morning or all at night. It just depends. I know for your students as well, the, one of the biggest things that comes up is task initiation, mm-hmm. right? A lot of them can get through it if they can just start. Yes. Steph, when's your prime time? You know, I think I have a prime time in late morning mm-hmm. and I think I have a prime time in the evening. I'm the same. I'm incredibly productive from like 1030 to one, mm-hmm. which not ironically is usually when we record the podcast. Yeah. And I'm really productive late at night as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. But in the middle, it's rough sometimes to like mm-hmm. get a new project going or something. Sometimes I'm like, this is going to have to wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Because I just don't have it in me. Fair enough. Or I start laundry sometimes and it's in the evening and because I'm going to be up doing all these things that I know I can get work done and yes, I want to stay up till the laundry is finished. So then I just get it done. It's a win-win for me. Oh, if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you've heard our laundry stories over the years. So yeah, true. It always comes back to laundry. Yeah. Becoming aware of your time perception and the way that you feel time allows you to either add time or subtract time to how long you think things are going to take long term. So for students that time goes by faster and they think faster, students with attentional issues perhaps, have them feel a minute and absolutely have them use timers and have them have a plan. And we've talked about that in many, many episodes. And for students that time goes slower than they think, usually students with processing speed deficits, Timers are awesome as well, but use that to practice estimation. I have a student in particular I'm thinking about. I was like, how long do you think this is going to take you? And he'll say, 10 minutes. And I look at it and say, "Mm, I don't think that's going to take you 10 minutes. So I have started to get him in the practice of giving me his initial idea of how long it'll take, and then we have to double it. Mm -hmm. 
And he goes, I know, double it. Mm. And then if we actually work on it, usually the double is correct. Yes. We're not necessarily teaching how to feel time correctly. It's how to adjust so that your time can be used efficiently. Absolutely. So, Smarties, have a great week. Have a great week.